0: Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up and the Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed, trembling seizes the leaders of Moab, and all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hand, hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand. And all the women went out with her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Will you pray with me? Uh, We pray, O Holy Spirit, teach us, grow us. Use this to your word uh, to conform us more and more into the image of Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, so I realize maybe some of you aren't, aren't really into the whole social media thing, and I'm becoming less and less so. Um, evidently, sea shanties are like a thing. Like, apparently, sea shanties have taken social media by storm over the last six months or so. Um, I, 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 I don't know the history of that. I don't really care. Um, except here 's the thing though, <clears throat> I actually kind of like sea shanties there 's something about them that I actually okay you 're looking at me weird. so here 's the thing right they, they they blend things that I like ballads, um, um, predominantly male voice harmony, the Celtic sort of Irish Scottish North England sort of influence, the ocean life out on a boat, uh, it's pretty tough to beat that. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of drawn to sea shanties. And, and for that matter, I guess I kind of have been sort of for a while, I didn't realize that they were quite so, such the deal uh, lately. Um, but they're hundreds of years old. It's not like they're new. It's not like they just showed up in 2021. It's that they somehow became popular again. Uh, but they're they're again right popular, uh, the, and they're all. I mean, they're they're intended to be sung on a boat. You're on a ship, and 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 you're hauling in a sail, and and ten fifteen men are trying to drag this big giant heavy sail, or you're trying to haul up the anchor, or you're trying to to keep the boat clean. The chores get a little monotonous, and so you sing songs that help you keep time that sort of keep everybody in a rhythm, and that make the chores a little more palatable. In many ways, they're intended to build community and and common purpose. That's what this song does. The song that Moses sings in Exodus 15 actually builds community and common purpose. It's a ballad. It's It's the first sea shanty. Okay, they're not actually on the water. They were never in or on the water, but it's right beside the sea and influenced by the events that took place on the Red Sea. And so I contend this is the original sea shanty. The first thing I want us to see is that delivered people sing. You notice there, there there's some people, and perhaps you notice as we were reading Towards the end, verses 13 to 18, there's some some places where it sounds like that's later. Like if if you were to just sort of think in terms of timeline of Israel's deliverance from Egypt to the promised land, there's some parts of verses 13 to 18 that you're thinking, well, wait, hold on. Philistia and Canaan and Moab, I mean, like we literally just left Egypt. We literally just crossed the sea. We haven't met Moab and Philistia and, and Canaan yet. So it sounds like it comes from later in the story. It sounds like it might be a later event. There are theologians, people that write commentaries that will argue this actually is a later song that's been dropped here. Uh, however, um, and part of the argument is it messes up the flow of the story you 're reading along, and then all of a sudden there 's this this song and 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 it picks up the story picks up again in verse twenty two and and people argue well that can 't belong there because it messes up you 're not a good storyteller if you stop and drop this here, but I want you to notice two words, two words that I think matter and actually communicate. Um, timeline and order of events. Look at verse 1. How does verse 1 begin? Then. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song. In other words, the writer of this song, the writer of Exodus, Moses, wants to connect this song to what happened in verse in chapter fourteen he wants to connect the singing of this song of deliverance to the deliverance that literally just took place in the previous chapter you know the, you know the, the part where where Israel was stuck trapped you, you got you got sea and you got army and you're stuck on this sort of Spit of land that, that juts out, this little peninsula that juts out into the Red Sea, and and if I go this way, I drown. If I go this way, I have to fight the Egyptian army who have chariots and horses and weapons, and they're trained, and and we're none of those things. And so Israel was stuck. And God said, "Hold on a second, water, get out of the way." It said, "Okay." And it got out of the way. And and so they crossed on dry land. And then the Egyptians came. And the the Israelites get out on the other side. And they look back and they go, "Uh uh-oh. And God said, water, go back where you belong. And it did. And, And it swallowed them. It's right on the heels of that. Moses wants us to see that this song is connected to that event. That's why he starts with the word then. And for that matter, that's why verse 22 also starts with the exact same word. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang 15 verse 1. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea in verse 22. Moses wants this song to fit right here. Because delivered people sing. You do, um, you do realize the Bible's a drama, right? Um, I happen to know some of you have, have participated in musicals before. Um, the Bible's a drama. It's, it's a story. It's an, it's an unfolding play of the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman will destroy, defeat the seed of the serpent, and the whole rest of the Bible unfolds. It acts out. It plays out that drama, that story. But the Bible's a musical. You, you know, those musicals when when the acting. I promise. I don't mean this. I I love them. Don't just humor me. Where the acting sort of gets interrupted by this random song that you're thinking, well, hold on a second. I'm now I'm losing the story. That's part of the argument for why this doesn't belong. But the song intends to communicate something. It's part of the play, it's part of the act. The Bible is a musical. It's constantly interrupted with songs to celebrate things. That have happened. In fact, let me show you this. If you've got your Bible, and, and look, here's the deal. Um, I, I should have said this earlier. Don't put it away because you're going to need it. Um, quick survey, and this will, this will be just that a very brief survey. Turn to Judges um, chapter 5. In Judges chapter 4. Um, Deborah is the prophetess Barak is supposed to be this judge and, and he's hesitant he's timid, he's supposed to go to battle uh, the Canaanite army uh, general, his name is Sisera and he's, he's causing trouble for Israel and, and Deborah says look you'll fight them and Barak goes well I'll go if you'll go with me um, because this is kind of scary. And she said, okay, great, but you're not going to get the glory a woman is. And, and when you're reading that in Judges 4, you're thinking it's her, right? It's not even her. Um, instead, JL drives this tent peg through Sisera's head and nails his head to the floor, to the ground. And what happens? Judges 5, Then sang Deborah and Barak. The son of Abinoam, on that day. Israel's delivered from Canaan, Sisera is dead, and they sang. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 21. Um, I mean, chapter 22. Perhaps you noticed, well, perhaps you didn't notice, our call to worship was actually verses 2 and 3 of 2 Samuel 22. But notice verse 1. David's life is marked by turmoil. Um, a lot of it's rooted, guys, we're doing this on Wednesday nights. Much of it is rooted in uh, his sin with Bathsheba. Uh, there's this war with the Philistines at the end of chapter 21, and there's actually multiple wars with the Philistines at end chapter 21. And then after being delivered, second Samuel 22 verse 1, and David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. On the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of his enemies. When God's people are delivered from their enemies. They sing. Turn to Isaiah chapter 51. In Isaiah 51. Isaiah writing decades before. Israelites taken into exile and then allowed to return. Ladies, that's Tuesday morning, presumably. Um, Isaiah talking about the return of Judah to Jerusalem in 70 plus years. He writes this in uh, Isaiah 51 verse 11. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Singing. Delivered people sing. Turn to Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, Mary. The heading says Mary's song of praise, the Magnificat. Perhaps you've heard of it the text says, and Mary said, but then it's set apart. It's a song. She sings a song about deliverance that's coming in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Delivered people sing. Turn to Revelation chapter 5. This is a a glimpse into, uh, by the way, I don't think everything in Revelation is all future. I think we make a mistake when we read Revelation as though it's a future event. Uh, John doesn't get a glimpse into the future. He gets a glimpse into uh, the spiritual realm, the heavenly places. And in Revelation 4 and 5, uh, he sees this It's this throne room scene. And he looks into the throne room of heaven and notice... Uh, Revelation 5, verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scrolls. They sing again in verse 12. They sing again in verse 13. Over and over again throughout the book of Revelation, there is singing. Our New Testament reading just a few minutes ago told us that we'll be singing the song of Moses in heaven. I guess we might as well learn the words now. I don't know what the tune will be. I don't know whether it'll be some indelible grace tune, some of which are easy to sing. We've done that. Some of which may be harder to sing. We've done that too. Maybe it's an old... You don't know the tune. But it makes sense to learn the words. If delivered people are a singing people, then it makes sense to learn the words of the song because Revelation 15 tells us it will be a part of our song book in heaven. We didn't even look at the Psalms. An entire book dedicated to singing. We skipped that entire book kind of on purpose. Back to Exodus chapter 15, delivered people sing. Notice who does the singing. In verse 1, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. Did you notice verse 20? Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron and the sister of Moses, but he didn't write that, took a tambourine in her hand. All the ladies joined them also with tambourines. They danced. And Miriam sang to uh, this song, and she basically sings the verse 1, same thing Moses sang in the beginning. It's this picture of what might have been men and women singing back and forth to each other. Antiphonal singing. It may have been, it may have been that Moses was the shanty man. Right? The shanty man's job on the boat is, would be to, to, to sing the line, and then everyone else joins and sings the line. And then he sings the line, and, and then they sing the next line. Maybe Moses was the shanty man while the rest of the people responded. But the point is, everyone joins in. Delivered people sing. Delivered people sing of their deliverance. So we have this joke in our house. It's more of a joke in my head maybe than it is in reality. So just pretend if you'll pretend with me. We have this sort of joke in our house. Um, And y'all know, I think in music, I think in songs like you, you, you can give me a word or a phrase and it drives the kids nuts. And I sing a song that has that word or that phrase or an allusion to it. And and they're like, what that, that's a song. Yes, it's a song. The other thing is I wake up with a song in my head and, 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 and no idea why it's not necessarily the case that I was listening to it yesterday literally just this past week I uh, was singing something and Nancy goes, why, why are you singing that? I don't know. It's because it's there. Like there's, there's no connection to anything. I, I'm not aware of a connection to a dream. I, I wasn't listening. It. It's not like a song. I, I wasn't necessarily listening to it. I mean, it's just, it's just the song that's in my head when I wake up that morning. And, and there's, there's no guarantee what it's going to be like what it's going to be. There's just, there's no connection to anything. Delivered people don't sing randomness. They don't wake up with random songs in their head. They sing about their deliverance. They sing. They never say, well, I have no idea why I'm singing this. I have no idea why this song. They know exactly why they're singing what they're singing. They're singing about the deliverance that they have just experienced. Look at verses 4 and 5. Notice how it's written. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. His chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Israel's oppressor has been destroyed. Egypt is gone. Warriors, chariots, horses. You know, it's always that's always the hardest part about watching movies is when animals get killed. You're like, well, I know they're trained. Well, I know that's that's computer graphics, but still, nobody wants to watch. We know the people don't really die. It makes you sad when you watch horses get swallowed up by the sea or dogs or whatever. L- literally, chariots, horses. The army, it all got destroyed. They all got swallowed up. And God's people are celebrating God's victory over their enemies. The seed of the serpent just lost another battle. The seed of the serpent wanted to destroy God and his people. The seed of the serpent Wanted to get rid of the seed of the woman. And they couldn't do it. Because the seed of the woman. Is God's people. Notice God brought. Deliverance for them. The enemy was stopped. I love verses 9 and 10. Uh, You're the Egyptian army. You see Israel trapped on that peninsula. I've got them now. Notice, notice what they're singing in verses 9 and 10. I'm going to pursue them. Even when the, when the, when the water stops and separates and Israel walks on dry land, the Egyptians are thinking, well, sweet, we can do that too. Let's go get them. I will pursue them. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I'll draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. What good is a sword against a giant wall of water? What good is a sword against the God of heaven and earth? You brought the wrong, wrong weapon. You're, you're, you think they're convinced that this is a done deal, I've got them, and they draw their swords, and they're even counting their proverbial chickens, right? They're counting the loot already. Divide the spoil. and My desire shall have its fill. I'm going to get it all. And before, the next thing they know, they're sink like lead in the mighty waters. God blew the wind and the sea covered them up. They've trusted in their swords. They trusted in their weapons of war and in their arrogance, they were already counting the loot. They were going to get back and they never got a hand on it. We've made this point before. It's worth making again in the last several weeks. A few times we've actually used the Westminster larger or shorter catechism on how does Christ execute the office of a king? subduing us to himself, ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies. We've made the point already. God fights for his people. And as God's people, our enemies are his enemies. His enemies are our enemies. God is shown to be a mighty warrior who fights for his enemies people and this comforts this is to to meant to comfort uh, us it's meant to comfort God's people but notice what else it does Verses 14 and 15 these other nations the Philistines yeah, they didn't go that way that was the shorter way but God spared them from war so they didn't go that way the Philistines the Edomites the Moabites the Canaanites what are they doing? They're trembling. They're scared. And, and when they get to Canaan and, and they, they visit a lady named Rahab who tells them, we've heard. We know the story. We've heard of you. No, we've heard of what God, your God has done for you, she tells them. Word gets out and it's supposed to drive fear in the enemies of God. The enemies of God in this world will be defeated. There's comfort for us knowing that God restrains all his and our enemies. Delivered people celebrate that deliverance by singing and they sing about the very deliverance itself. And they build this sense of community and shared purpose in the way they sing This song right here, Israel, in this event, not right here necessarily in this chapter, but in this event of leaving Egypt, Israel has finally officially been been formed as a nation. To this point, they've basically just been a family. And here they become a nation, a sense of community, of shared purpose. Celebrating the the deliverance that they have together and the common goal of reaching the promised land. Delivered people sing. Delivered people sing of their deliverance, and lastly, uh, delivered people sing to their deliverer. Um, I realize all the kids are in COVID families, so there aren't kids here to care that that English class breaks out in the middle of worship um school started back so they have to get used to it now but every now and then you have to sort of you have to break out an english class in the middle of a sermon um pronouns glance through the chapter how many first person pronouns that's i and we do you do you see Well, verse 1 and 2. Or verse 1. Yeah, verse 1 and 2. Moses begins, I will sing to the Lord, for He has done this. I will praise Him. I will exalt Him. And after that, you're done. Well, you object. Well, hold on. Verse 9. Wrong. Read verse 9. Those are words put in the mouths of the Egyptians. In other words... As these delivered people sing, they're not singing about what they've done. They're singing about what their deliverer has done. They're singing to celebrate the work of their deliverer to do that which he alone could do and which they had no hope of doing themselves. Um, to be brutally honest, there are, there are a number of sort of popular Christian music songs. You can hear them in Chick-fil-A. You can hear them in Zaxby's now. Um, you can hear them on the radio. And that's great and that's fine. But we won't sing them here. Uh, and the reason for that is they have more to do with me and what I'm doing than with the person I'm supposedly singing to. Our focus in worship is on God and His work, not what we're doing. We're not going to sing about the fact that we're singing. We're just going to sing. We're not going to sing about the fact that we're doing this or we're doing that. We're just going to do it. And that's part of the picture of this song. Delivered people sing. They sing about their deliverance, but they sing to their deliverer. We don't... We don't have anything to add. We don't have anything that we do that can improve on what God has done for us. And everywhere you look in this song, it's perfectly clear that Moses is ascribing to Yahweh the work of deliverance. To paraphrase the the song. Um, They came after us, but you stopped them. We were trapped. You dried up the sea. They thought they could get us, but you made the waters stand up for us to walk through. They thought they could walk through too. You made the waters go back to their place. There's no one else like you, verse 11 and 12. Yahweh will reign forever, verse 18. Is this not the aim of worship? Delivered people. Singing of our deliverance to our deliverer. Let me make just a couple of applications from uh, this passage. Um, The first is, and and I've already, the applications are all sort of redundant and sort of obvious out of the, the rest of the sermon itself, but you'll find very few songs at Grace Covenant that focus on what we're doing. Um, there's a lot of them out there that, you know, we'll sing. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you. We just, and that's, it has its place. And, and there are places like that within songs, but the grand scheme of the song needs to be about God and his deliverance. We're not going to sing about what we're doing so much as what God has done for us in delivering us from sin through the work of Christ. A second application. Turn to Ephesians chapter five. <clears throat> we need each other singing around us. We actually need um, we need the voices of people around us. Ephesians five. Uh, Perhaps you know Ephesians 5 best because it's that husband and wife section at the end of the chapter. That's not what we're going to look at. Look at verse 19. Well, verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. We sing... Delivered people sing about their deliverance to their deliverer, but we benefit when we hear each other sing. We actually encourage each other. Sometimes you come to worship bearing the weight of the world around you, the guilt of your sin, the the argument you had with a spouse on the way in, fussing at kids that morning. Um, uh, whatever it may be, you walk in with this weight. Maybe a general sense that, you know, I'm going through a season where my faith is weak and I'm struggling. You you sing and, and you need to hear other people singing and that encourages you. It strengthens you in your faith. When someone around you sings, my faith looks up to thee. You are, oh, that's right. That's exactly where I go. We need each other singing around us. And then lastly, there's this. Maybe you don't have anything to sing about. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know any deliverance. I don't know what, what this deliverance would look like. I don't, I don't know what these people here are singing about. But well, we're singing about Christ. <laughs> Who has defeated the greatest enemy, far greater than Egypt, who could only kill the body and could not separate you from the love of God. He's defeated the greatest enemy, the seed of the serpent, Satan himself. He's defeated the last enemy, even death itself, so that we might be freed from the penalty of sin that our sin, that the penalty of death that our sin deserves. And so we look in faith to Christ. Trust in Him for your salvation. And the words of the songs become yours too. Then you too know true deliverance. Deliverance from guilt and shame for committing cosmic treason. The hope and certainty of eternity with Christ. And then you too sing songs of deliverance. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness to us. For the encouragement that Moses and the people of Israel are in this passage. That we too know deliverance. That we too know what it means to be set free from the the trap of sin, the, the guilt and shame of of our sinfulness, of our rebellion. And we pray that You would put afresh that song of deliverance in our mouths, in our hearts, that we would sing with joy our shared common experience, shared community, shared purpose. The deliverance we've experienced together and the, the marching towards eternity that we have together. And we pray that in all of this, Christ would be exalted. And we ask all this in his precious holy name. Amen.